0: Welcome to the Agritourism Ideas Podcast, your premier source for agritourism information and education. Here's your host, Jamie Stenzi.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to episode number 55. Today we have Susan Del Oso from Del Oso Family Farms out of Lathrop, California. This venue is a great example of the combination of an incredible location with creative and professional execution where they now see over a quarter of a million visitors each October. We cover a lot of ground in this interview and talk about ticket pricing, food vending options, unique activities and events, and much, much more. We even talk about their holiday event, which includes snow tubing and ice skating in California. Here is my interview with Susan. I'd like to welcome Susan Del Oso from Del Oso Family Farm out of Lathrop, California. Did I say the name of your city correctly, Susan?
0: It's actually Lathrop.
1: Lathrop. Okay. Lathrop. Yep. Sh- shows you that I'm out in the northeast and not very familiar <laughs> with all the California towns. Uh, welcome to the show, Susan.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jamie.
1: Now, you guys have a ton going on at your, your farm, and you're one of the interviews that uh, we're going to be jumping around to a lot of different things, a lot of the unique things that we ha- uh, that we see uh, on your website at your venue. Um, but uh, I'm excited to, uh, to, to hear more about some of these things that you have to offer. So sure. Tell me more about your geographical location. Where are you in California? Give our, give our listeners well, an idea of population and that sort of thing.
0: Sure. We're we're actually, we have a a fantastic central location. We are in a bedroom community. So Lathrop really is a bedroom community to the San Francisco Bay area and the Silicon Valley. So we are about an hour away from San Francisco and an hour away from San Jose and yet also an hour away from Sacramento. So it's kind of the three, we're in the middle of a triangle, which is great. (laughs) So between those big cities, we have, boy, you know, 20 million in population. However, in our immediate, let's say, 10-mile um, range, we probably have about 2 million people. Wow. so awesome. Yeah, very, very well located. We are also right on Interstate 5, which is the main highway that goes from Canada to Mexico. Okay. And we have a mile and a half of frontage on Interstate 5. <laughs> and, and it's actually where the freeway is raised a bit. So our land sits about 20 feet below the freeway. So you can basically see the entire site as you're driving by.
1: Wow. It doesn't get any more yeah. perfect than that, I don't think.
0: <laughs> well, actually, one one more perfect thing. It's, it's right where three main freeways come together. <laughs> so it's the main freeway that goes to the Bay Area, the main freeway that goes to Sacramento, and the main freeway that goes out to the recreational areas of Yosemite. Wow. So just in front of our site, we have 140,000 cars a day. Wow. A day. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, There's I know. a, there's so a lot of
1: people drooling right now when they're
0: listening to I this know. podcast. I know. <laughs> my husband and I always make a joke that we're the best agritourism operation, uh, operators and it has nothing to do with location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so give us the backstory. How did you guys get started in agritourism?
0: Well, you know, it's been about, well, this will be our 21st year, but my husband is a third generation farmer and his. His grandparents came and settled the, in this area in the 1920s. So we've been on this farm a very long time. And he grew row crop, crops, but he also grew pumpkins for about the last 35 years. So uh, we got together 25 years or 21 years ago and decided that we should open the farm to the public. And he's always wanted to do that. And I'm, I'm a planner and, and I run a business, a different business, and he's a farmer with amazing ideas. So it was a great combination. So we started slow. We opened with a 10 acre corn maze and we literally grew it, marketed it, and then joint ventured with a local nonprofit, the Boys and Girls Club, and split the profit with them. Nice. So we started very small. And then after about three years, the the local nonprofit said, this is too much for us. It's getting too big. So Ron and I started taking it very seriously and decided to you know, put a lot of effort behind it and we've grown over time to now we have four different events throughout the year and several hundred thousand people. So it's just, it started small 21 years ago and it's grown into this this big event.
1: Yeah, and typically I don't ask our guests uh, about their their attendance numbers, but you guys have it right there on your website. That is incredible. And most of us are like, holy cow, how do you handle that many people? So we'll get into some of that as we go along in the interview, but just incredible operation that you guys have going on there. Um so let's jump right into it. Tell us about uh, uh I was very impressed with your corn mazes, the designs, that sort of thing. Do you guys do that all yourself or do you hire an outside company to help you with that? How does that work?
0: Well, we do hire an outside company. So we hire the maze company. Okay. So, right. and actually we did it for years by ourselves. So for years we would get these big graph paper you know, big things of graph paper. My mother-in-law would design a maze on the graph paper. And we would literally go, you know, each little one-inch square would equal 10 feet in the field. And we would map out on row 25, we've got to <laughs> pull corn from, yeah 35 feet to 42 feet. I mean, it was, it was a lot. It was very labor-intensive. Yeah. And then about, I want to say, it's almost 10 years now, we met Brett Herps from the maze company and um, started using them. And obviously, they use GPS. And it's much more automated, and um, it's we've never looked back. Great. So, and they also offer some really great great get togethers. I'm, I'm not doing an advertisement for the maze company, but I got to tell you, they have about 250 clients and we get together once a year and just exchange ideas, which has been fantastic. So that's one of the side benefits of using them.
1: Yeah. And he, he calls it the corn party, right? I think. Yep. He sure does.
0: <laughs> yeah. We were in Hawaii last year.
1: Oh, wow. That was oh my fun. goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause yeah, my, my teeth in agritourism with the maze company, they are an awesome organization and, and do highly recommend them to uh, Anybody Me who's too. looking for that, that extra help and getting things going.
0: And, and people to share ideas with. Oh and yeah. There's no, you know, there's no secrets in this group. Everyone's willing because the overall philosophy is that, you know, my maze is in California. You may have one in Pennsylvania or somewhere on the East coast. And if you're doing something that's great, well, let's just grow the whole concept of agritourism. And if you have it and I have it, that helps both of us.
1: Yep, exactly. Yep. Great, great mentality
0: yes exactly
1: all right so we're going to jump through some of your your fall activity things here um, you have a lot of the uh, a lot of things that some of us have and then some unique things some of the normal things are like uh, uh, pedal cars and, and pig races and uh, pony rides and that sort of thing but let's jump onto some of the things that I haven't seen before tell me about the walk the plank what is that all about
0: Oh, that's, that's a great little thing. So we had, and we've subsequently taken it down, or we've taken the obstacles down, but we had this big ropes course. And we worked with a group called Challenge Towers out of North Carolina, I believe. And our goal was how much throughput can we put onto a ropes course, because we have, you know, tens of thousands of people a day. And it can't be a circular route. I mean, we have to be able to get tons of people through. So we had this linear course that had three levels that had five obstacles on each level. And so basically you could have 15 people in the air at any one time, which which really accelerated the throughput. But at the very top, there's at the very last obstacle, you can either go back down the ladder, the sieve is what it's called, or you can walk off this plank which it literally is, it's probably, well, I guess it's a, maybe a four by 10 that's sticking out on the top of the ropes course. And it's attached to something called a drop zone. And the drop zone is a, um, you hook up to it in your, you hook up to it, you're wearing your harness. So it hooks to your harness and you step off the plank and you go down, not slowly, you go down pretty fast, but by the time you reach the ground, you're slowed up. So you reach the ground kind of like at, at normal speed. <laughs> so, yeah, that has been a really fun thing because people, it's really frightening to be 35 feet up in the air and to, first of all, stand at the edge of a plank and then choose to walk off it.
1: <laughs> yes. <I agree.
0: clears throat> so and people scream and, and it's, it's fun. A lot of fun. It's fun. fun. Yeah.
1: All right, and then you guys have something called uh, Pumpkin Ball, which is which are the orbs, I believe. How, how does that yep. work? Is that something you guys run yourself? Do you have a third party do it? What do the guests well, do know, in those orbs?
0: It, very interesting. Because what we did last year, we created some festival grounds, so we have a lot of grass fields on our site now. About because we have three two acre sites of just pure grass. And one of those grass areas is right in the middle of where everyone is for the corn maze. Two of them are kind of off to the side, but right in the middle. So we had to come up with something that took a lot of room. So it takes a lot of room. So those big, with their Zorb balls that you climb inside. They're 10 foot in diameter. And so we have attendants who help you get inside and, and kind of lock you in. There's a little door that shuts. And then we hold all the Zorb balls. There's We have 16 of them. Um, although we only generally have about eight running at one time, but we, we wait till everyone's in and then you race down the field and then you race back. (laughs) And so you're in there, maybe a matter of three minutes. Um, but it's exhausting because it's like a hamster, you know, you're a hamster in a wheel and you're, when you go in and someone next to you is your, whatever your family member or a friend of yours, you're kind of racing each other and it's just a bunch of fun. So we did it again, streamlined to get in and go out cuz that's included in our one price purchase also our one price entry fee.
1: I noticed that you guys include a lot of great stuff in your in your entrance fee which I think is great at delivering that value for your ticket price. Well,
0: I don't know if you noticed but last year was the first time we charged a one price entry.
1: Oh really? And
0: okay. yep prior to that so for 20 years it had been come into the park do anything you want but then there are certain things that you have to pay for, like the corn maze or the pumpkin blasters or the haunted house, whatever. <clears throat> but you could there's a number of things that were for free. And we found that it just was such a large amount of people that were coming in that didn't do anything and were taking up parking places and 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 that was fine when we were little, when we had just gotten started. But as we grew, those extra bathrooms and the extra security guards and the extra parking places started to add up to something really serious.
1: Sure.
0: So we decided last year to go to one price entry. And at first people were very, very resistant I mean, they thought they had a, we had emails saying I have a right to go and I demand to be let in for free. <laughs> so, yeah. So what we did is we put everything in anything that didn't cost us money. So for example, gem mining, you buy, you know, it cost us money to provide gems to people. So that would be an extra charge or um, the pumpkin blasters because they're shooting little pumpkins and the pumpkins are a product that that needs to be paid for. But as long as it didn't involve a product or it wasn't a activity that had a a very short limit of how many people could do it, uh, like, for example, the ropes course is is even though we have a high throughput, it's not high enough to accommodate 10,000 people a day. Yeah. So if if you could do it, if the, if half the people could do it, and if there was no inventory associated with it, we included it in the price of entry. But that changeover was challenging, to say the least. Yeah, yeah,
1: wow. And you, I think you are the largest largest venue I've ever seen wait that long. So. Uh... Uh, Kudos to you for, for, for hanging in there that long.
0: Well, uh, so much of it was consulting with our buddies at the Mays company and asking them because a lot of people did the transition also in the past. Yeah. And they Mm -hmm. said, give it a year and it will be the best thing you've ever done. And even at the end of the season, we got, it was a lot better for us. Yeah. But at first it was rough.
1: (laughs) Did we make the right decision? I know. (laughs) That's pretty hard.
0: Pretty hard.
1: Very good. All right, tell me about uh, let's see, scarecrow ride. Tell me what that is about. It looks like everybody's oh, facing no. one direction on the on the that uh, hay wagon or it, whatever it is.
0: It is the sweet. It is the sweetest thing. So what we do is we go to um, schools and nonprofit groups and ask them to submit a cor- a scarecrow entry. And then we generally give them a theme, like it's a cartoon theme or a you know some some kind of theme. Um, and then what we do is that we put them out in the field. And so, for example, if a Boy Scout crew, crew, troop, um, puts together a scarecrow, generally they come out with, you know, the 10 kids and the troops and the parents, and they set it up with the hay bales and they, it's fairly elaborate. I mean, they go to great extremes on how they set up their little area. So we carve out areas in the corn that's adjacent to the corn maze and, um, create a little venue for them to put up their scarecrow. And then what we do is for any group that has submitted a scarecrow, the first weekend that we're open, we let them come in for free and we allow, you know, we get, well, it used to be, we would allow them a scarecrow ride and a corn maze, a corn maze entry for free. Now we give them, I believe it's half price to come in that first weekend so they can see their scarecrows, yeah. which is kind of cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's super neat. It's, and then we, what we also do is we vote on them. So we let the people who are going through the ride, we give them a piece of paper, the scorecard, and a pencil, and they vote on their favorite scarecrow. And at the end of the season, we give monetary prizes to the top four.
1: Wow. What a great idea.
0: Yeah. It's really cute, and it's just a great way to involve the community.
1: (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All right. Tell me about your train. That is one of the coolest looking pictures I've seen on a, on a venue before is that, I don't know, it has to be at least 80 foot long kind of little train station with a ton of gorgeous looking pumpkins in front of it. Um, yeah.
0: Isn't that a great picture? <laughs> That's awesome um, it's, a it's a miniature is a quarter size CP Huntington train. Okay. So it's a replica of an old train and um, we have a train station that we built and it can, it can accommodate, I want to say about 60 people at one time and what's really neat is it goes around the corn maze, and we have planted, the Central Valley in California is the breadbasket of the world, and we grow everything here. There's like 150 different crops that are grown in the Central Valley, so what we did, all the tree crops, and basically started from, you know, north here where we are in Lathrop, you know, down to Bakersfield, and you go by, and you see the cherries, then you see the almonds, and then you see the 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 apricots and then the peaches and so on and so forth as as if you were driving you know down to southern california or down to the central valley so you're going through these orchards um, and around the corn maze hmm. on the train ride so it's it's pretty neat there and go. there's a little tunnel that you go through so yeah it's pretty neat we, how, we how many been, guests can so, you
1: fit on your train at once
0: i, I want to say about 60 at one wow. time wow okay Great. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Very neat. And that, again, that's part of your, your admission fee, which is really cool.
0: Yeah. Sure is. All right. It definitely is.
1: Uh, gemstone mining. I know some of us have those at our venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've personally never tried it. How do you like it? How does the guests respond? And which company did you end up using for that?
0: You know, we absolutely love it. Um, Woody Woodruff from, let's see if I can remember the company. Like- I'll, I'll get the company from in a minute, but it's Woody Woodruff. Sandy Creek? Are they Sandy
1: Creek? Sandy Creek. Thank
0: you. From Sandy Creek Mining Company. Very happy with it. People love it. It's educational for the kids. So they get a big bag of sand that has gems in it. And it could be arrowheads or it could be gems. I mean, there's a couple of different varieties. And then we have these signs that show them what they got. So you got a little topaz or a quartz or or whatever it is. And so the kids just love it because it's exploratory and it's open to I mean, whether it's small kids or adults people it's a great educational thing about gemstones so and we've had to fix the um the equipment we had so much use of it that we were getting a lot of leaks and so sandy creek came back and helped us um, come up with a new liner that we put in so we could make it more waterproof and because it's generally very waterproof but we just had so much use Very neat. So, um, But we're very, very happy with Sandy Creek on that one, and um, people love it. How many years have you been doing it? Oh, at least 10. Wow,
1: okay. Mm -hmm. Very neat. Yeah. All right, let's quickly talk about concessions. You have uh, a variety of different concession locations. A couple of them that caught my eye was a taco shack and a spud shack. How does that that go over pretty well out there?
0: Yeah, uh, our, our kids do that, actually. So we generally do all our own food. We don't go to any outside vendors for food. We do it all. Um, But in some cases, our kids or my brother or whatever picks up their own stuff. And actually, you just mentioned, too, that our kids do. Hmm. Um, The taco shack we've had for a while. And then we did the baked potato one, which is the spud shack. And people loved it. Hmm. They loved it. So um, I don't know how many they sold exactly, but they did pretty good the first year. Um, And it wasn't really that difficult. It's just an oven. And you have the toppings, you know, whether it's the butter or the cream cheese or sour cream, whatever it happens to be that you like. And it's a healthy alternative for a lot of the deep fried fair food that we have because people love the French fries and the garlic fries and the corn dogs and they love all that stuff. But, you know, not all of the family wants to eat that way. Right. So it offers a nice healthy alternative. Very neat.
1: All right, let's jump over to holidays at the farm. Now, a lot of uh, a lot of different venues do something at the holidays, and I was expecting a lot of the same types of things when I clicked on that part of your website. But I was surprised to see tubing and ice skating in California. Tell me how you pull that off.
0: Yes. so <laughs> yeah, so we this is um, two thousand and nine is when we got into the holidays and we when we did, we decided we were going to start big. So what we did is we bought two machines through Snow Magic, which is the um, snowmaker, two machines from Japan that can blow up to three feet of snow, a football field wide or football field big every single day in 24 hours. (laughs) So we have two of those machines. So what we did, we're in the flat Central Valley and we built a 30 foot tall hill. And created eight different lanes for snow tubing. So there are berms in the middle. You know, there's instead of a flat hill, it's basically got berms with some, with some um, um, what do you call them, chutes, let's say. And so we they go up a moving escalator to get to the top. You get a tube at the bottom. With one of those inner tubes like you would when you're basically going on a ski hill. Mm-hmm. And you get the inner tube at the bottom. You take it on the moving sidewalk up to the top. And we have... Uh, people up there who will push you down the hill. So they'll push you backwards, they'll push you forward, you can <laughs> spin. And basically for 90 minutes, we sell them in 90-minute sessions. So that's the first time. It's also another thing that we've done with the Maze Company. They have a ticketing entity called Ticket Leap yep. and, uh, that I believe they created. So we're able to um, schedule folks for 90 minutes, and we limit the amount of people on the hill. So we only allow 300 people at any one time. So that you're not waiting in line, you're basically going up and down and up and down. I mean, you can get 20 runs in in 90 minutes. <laughs> so that's that's been that was kind of interesting to do. Our first year, it took a lot of you know queuing and how, where you get the tubes from and all that stuff has been all, all interesting to figure out, but it's worked out well. And we the first year we opened, we had that, and we also had a mile long light show. So that's where you stay in your car and you drive through lights and you're just surrounded by lights and you're listening to music on the radio that we tell you to turn into. <laughs> and you can either do it by your car or we have an open air um, horse ride or open air like tram rides that wow. like, go through there as well and mm-hmm. give them little blankets and hot chocolate. So it's, it's super neat. It's very neat. And then the year after, our first year, so in 2010, we added an ice skating rink. So it's a full size 60 by 120 ice skating rink that people just love. And we did not put a cover on it. So it's, you're basically out under the stars, which works really well in California because we don't have that much rain. Awesome. Um, so that works out great. Yeah. And then Christmas trees and we have Santa in the country store. And so it's it's a place where you can come do a lot of things. We actually discontinued the Christmas trees last year, which was interesting. And the reason we did that is we found that most people have a tradition of where they get Christmas trees mm-hmm. and they're, they're either not going to break that tradition or they're going to go to the corner of the closest lot, <laughs> you know, wherever the closest lot is. Mm-hmm. So we found that we thought it was a good idea, but we just didn't sell the amount of trees we anticipated. So we decided to discontinue the tree portion, okay. which was okay. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing we do, which is super neat by the ice rink, we have um, two, actually three on site. Big fire pits, so people get s'mores and hot chocolate and sit around the fire pits. You know, after they're done ice skating, or while the kids are ice skating, the parents do that. So it's, it's pretty neat.
1: Very awesome. What's your typical uh, temperature on a mid-December evening? How cold does it get?
0: Probably fifty. <laughs> it can be cold. That's fine. But we've had eighty too. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, and being... then we really. try. Being from the
1: Northeast, I'm used to more like 15 degrees than 50. Yeah,
0: no, no, no. No. I'd say very infrequently do we get to freezing in the middle of the night. And I don't remember a single day that's not been more than, you know, 40. So, yeah, it's and then once you're running around because those are very active things one of the things that we've done at the farm whether it's in october or even at christmas time it's been it everything we like to do is physical and we like to assimilate it to what ron and my husband and his family used to do when they were growing up so um for example the zip lines we have you know they used to basically swing in those tires you know out into the lake and drop off into the lake because they're in the middle of the farm that's what country kids did so we have a lot of signage around saying this is you know what we used to do as a kid and this is kind of how we're mimicking it for the public Hmm. so it's, it's pretty fun very good yeah
1: and then uh, a couple other events throughout the year, um, Mud Run. Mm-hmm. That Mud Run, I watched your, your video of that. That is really <laughs> cool. You guys go all out with all the different obstacles and crawling through a, a container of mud and pumpkins and <laughs> things like that. Oh, it's how crazy. Did, how did that get started?
0: Well, and I tell you, Jamie, the funny thing about that, and actually we were, the first time we did it, it's been, I want to say, eight years now. The first time we did it we were approached by an outside company and we never let anybody use the farm. So mm-hmm. It was one of those where we said, okay, all right. And we needed to give them an answer. And it was actually during October that they needed to be confirmed. And you know how busy everyone is. So we ended up striking a deal in October and it was so successful. And we told them we'd only do it one year. (laughs) So it was so successful. And we looked at it and thought, my gosh, we can do this. And that was survivor mud run. (laughs) And we thought we can do this. But the beauty of having an agritourism operation is you never have to take down the obstacles. (laughs) So, right. (laughs) right. So we dig the mud pits We put in, you know, whatever obstacles that we put in that are permanent and then leave them there all year because no one's telling us to take them down. It's not like they're doing it like we're going to someone else's site and doing it at a park or something like that. So anybody who's an agritourism operator that has a site can pretty much put up an obstacle course and just leave it. So we have um, we've really liked the mud runs. Um, They are interesting because I think once you've done them, if you've done it one time, you're not apt to continue to do it. So we're kind of cycling through all the newbies right now, mm. and we may or may not keep doing it. It's just one of those things that's gotten less popular over time. Sure. Yeah. But but the ease of it is pretty great because we're all set up and it's just a matter of making sure everything's still in working order and and adding water mm-hmm. and the machine is set up. So that part's really good. And then the other thing that we do during the during the year, so our fourth event is coming up in September. And that's our Bacon Fest. <laughs> and that's where I mentioned earlier that we made the grass fields. Yeah. So we have three, two-acre grass fields approximately. And we have a joint venture going with one of the, what's called Sunny Valley Smoked Meats. They're one of the largest bacon producers on the West Coast. And they're good friends of ours. And we just figured that the best festival in the world is bacon. <laughs> I mean, the best thing in the focus around is bacon. Right. So we they do something very different. We actually have, Um, we do music and which is something we don't normally do, but we do music. We have, um, alcohol. We have beer, which is not something we do during October or Christmas. Obviously we do have a beer area during the mud run, but, um, so we have bacon, beer and bands is what (laughs) we call it. The three B's. (laughs) And it's a two day event. That's just a huge undertaking, but we'll see. This is our second year and we'll see how it goes this year. And, um, yeah it's a lot of risk to take yeah. <laughs> for a two-day event mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, especially yeah because you're dependent on the weather and all that but it looks like you've got some celebrities lined up to be there and and how did you we do how did you pull that off
0: well it's it's interesting because our first year we had guy fury from diners drive-ins and dives mm-hmm. and i i mean you you look him up on the internet or you call the talent agencies and everybody represents them, right? Right. Everybody can get them. Well, no one represents them. So (laughs) I shouldn't say no one, but obviously there's only one group that represents them. So what we, what I ended up doing is I literally, he has a restaurant that's not, it's about an hour from us. And I drove to the restaurant one day and talked to his manager there and said, can you just tell me who I should talk to? And they gave me the name of whom I needed to talk to. So we were able to get him lined up, which was great last year. And through that agent, they have just numerous other people. Um, so we went this year with Adam Richmond, and Adam used to do uh, man versus food mm-hmm. and he does a couple of food channel um, shows. So he's, he's pretty talented guy and he's supposed to be incredibly friendly. I can't wait to meet him. Um, but yeah, so you just go to the talent agency and if you're, willing to pay the fee they're willing to show up generally
1: <laughs> very good
0: so that's pretty good yeah yeah we're, we're excited we're we're getting all geared up it's our busy time right now to pull that put that all in place but luckily we have a team that's pretty amazing we the same managers keep coming back every year so we have about 20 key people that are that run different areas of the farm and they're just indispensable they they're whether they run the food or the tickets or the security i mean it's it's we kind of have you know one person who's managing each one of those areas and they they get it all organized so, so that part's crucial. great
1: Yep, very crucial yeah
0: so <laughs> crucial our people are crucial yeah crucial
1: all right well we could go on and on probably all day with all the I different know, things you guys I know. do uh, let's jump i know <laughs> let's jump over to some of the uh the questions that we typically ask each of the the agritourism owners that we have on the show um sure so what was your biggest pain point or challenge during your 2016 season?
0: Oh, without a doubt, it was a change over to the one price entry. Mm, yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, that was hands down.
1: And did you have any advice around that for people on what, would, what did you find uh, worked well as you dealt with customers that were not happy about that change?
0: Well, we're very hands on. And if someone has a problem, you know, they'll voice it on Yelp or the internet or the Facebook, and, you know, they'll, they won't be shy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, generally, if people came in, they were thrilled because they bought their one ticket and they didn't have to stand in line for anything else. Yep. Yep. So, we really encourage the people who did like it to speak up and encourage the people who didn't like it to give us a try and to give it a try for one year. And they they were, and we did a lot of pre-advertising for it to let them know the change was coming. I mean, it actually took us years okay. to get to, to doing that. So we had been um, talking about it for years and made sure that it was a topic that people were familiar with the thought that we may do that. Um, so yeah, that's how we dealt with it was trying to get positive feedback on our social media as well as, um, by, by the way, you know, there's people who will, monitor and manage your social media and I don't mean the content but I mean the back office how to maximize you know the searching you know to make sure you're up on the top and Mm -hmm. how to make sure if you get negative reviews how to counter those I mean it's all a business that we have learned existed (laughs) and if you don't have someone managing your social media and again I'm not talking about content and what you put on first for you know what how you're trying to attract people i'm talking about more if there's a problem and you get a negative yelp Mm -hmm. how do you deal with that yep so that's having that team on board was also fairly critical for us
1: very good good advice give me your top two or three things at your venue that you feel are really popular with your guests what are the two or three biggest draws
0: you know, the Zorb balls, the pumpkin balls were really, really popular this year, Okay. hugely popular, and they weren't that expensive to do. Um, they were um, difficult to find because they were manufactured in China. Oh. And we need to deal with wire transfers to a foreign bank, which is very, very unusual. Um, yet it was well worth it because people were really happy with it. Um, the other things, you know, is all the local baked goods. So our country store is predominantly a bakery oh,
1: cool.
0: and people just absolutely love the pumpkin pie or the brownies or and they just they just absolutely love that. And then, of course, people love the pumpkin blasters, <laughs> you know, shooting many pumpkins and having those crash on targets is without a doubt a huge popular event.
1: And did you get that, uh, since you're with the maze, did you get that from uh, Don? No,
0: we originated uh, it. Oh, you did? Okay. We originated it. We actually, my husband came up with the concept years ago. And his thought was, you know, the catapults that you see on TV sometimes, Sure. that those catapults, there's one person doing them and the audience really doesn't get to participate. Yep. So Ron kept thinking about these bazooka guns, and he tells a great story about when he was a kid, when remember the Sears magazine? Uh-huh. Sears magazine used to have all these items on it, and he identified this bazooka gun that he <laughs> wanted as a child. You know, for I mean, he circled it four times over for Christmas, <laughs> and his mom ended up getting him like underwear for Christmas. So he always <laughs> felt like ah, he's deprived. So he made I want to say six, seven prototypes, and we had friends making p- prototypes, and um, we finally got it down. And when we figured out the exact structure of what was needed for the black we call them blasters what was needed we took them to our local manufacturer and had them made out of three-quarter inch steel oh wow so there's different variations of what you see out there now but they basically originated at Deloso farms
1: all right so we're going to wrap up by asking you to give us your key piece of advice for those looking to start or improve an agritourism business
0: well you know probably my biggest piece of advice is to take it slowly because it's very difficult to know what the public will like and what they will pay for. So we have found throughout the years that we thought we had a slam dunk in something um, and the public didn't like it. So if, if we would have invested too much into it, it just would not have been a good financial decision for us. So I think our success has been that we started really slow and we built on what people wanted and grew from there. And between that and making sure that you treat your staff well and that they're, they're well taken care of and that they know they're appreciated, is probably the most important thing because it's only as good as your people.
1: That's for sure. Yep. So if, if we have uh, people who want to reach out to you with any questions or just to say hello, what is the best way for them to find you?
0: You know, the best thing to do is um, go through our website and our website, anything that's at info@pumpkinmaze.com or info at Delosa Farms, Downey Farm, comes to me. But thank you so much.
1: All right. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate you coming on. What an awesome venue with a lot of creative activities that really takes full advantage of their incredible location. I hope you were able to pull out some ideas and inspirations for your own venue. Be sure to go out and check out their website at pumpkinmaze.com to take a closer look at their operation. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Agritourism Ideas Podcast. Be sure to visit us at agritourismideas.com for more great information, ideas, and resources.